Would you pray with me? Lord, as we enter this season of preparation, prepare in our hearts and minds a space to hear your word and to receive your Holy Spirit, that we would be prepared to welcome your Son, Jesus Christ, as he comes again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, if there's anyone that has uh, children, there is Kid Cat downstairs. The kids were practicing music earlier, so if you have a kid or are a kid and want to go down and join them, uh, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> have any of you, over the last two years with everything that's been going on, ever wondered, is this the end of the world? There's been so much that's happened in the last two years that feels like our society might be on the brink of collapse. I remember at the start of the pandemic two years ago, when the lockdowns uh, started, I was working in healthcare, so I was still going into the office. And I drive on a six-lane highway that was practically empty with no cars and no one around. And it felt like I was in like a zombie apocalypse with this empty city. <laughs> But the pandemic's brought a lot of challenges and difficulties, a lot of pain and suffering. Perhaps it's not just the pandemic, but the social and political divisions that have been heightened during the last two years. We've seen protests and even riots, and we've had families who are separated and friendships broken over the divisions in our society. Or perhaps it's the threat that we still face of global economic collapse that's on the verge, that's causing us anxiety and our nerves. Perhaps it's the war in Ukraine. I remember earlier this year when the war began, um, there were a few weeks where I literally every morning would wake up and flip to the news right away, wondering, is today the day that there's a nuclear bomb or the start of World War III? Perhaps it's climate change. I saw a recent report that surveyed over 10,000 youth ages 18 to 26 to ask their feelings about the climate crisis. And over 50% of the youth responded that they thought humanity was doomed. And up to 80% were very concerned about the future of our society. Whichever of these issues or set of issues has affected you most personally, I think there's no doubt that it has been a challenging two years. And we've been faced with a lot of things that feel like, where is this all going? Is this the end? Are we doomed? And in our society, a lot of people feel desperate, feel hopeless, like we can't fix these problems. And so that we worry, what's going to happen? Where is this all going? In the church, I think a lot of us are wondering, are we living in the end times? You know, there's a whole group of Christians, especially in America, who have been obsessed with the end times. And I think they look at the news and they can turn pretty much any headline into a fulfillment of prophecy and a sign of the coming tribulation. But in the last two years, I feel like a lot of Christians that don't normally pay attention to that are starting to say, you know what, maybe that's not so crazy. Well, here we are at the end of 2022, and we're still here. We're alive. There's a couple weeks left in the year, so we still might see the end before 2023, but for the moment, we live to face another day, 
And I think for some people, they weren't sure if we would get here. And now we're in Advent in 2022, and it's the season where we focus on the coming of Jesus. We remember back to the time of the prophets, when the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come and save them and redeem their kingdom and bring justice and peace. But we also look forward to the coming of Jesus again. As we say every week in the prophets, he will come in glory to judge the living and the dead. So I want to look this morning about the second coming of Jesus and what does it have to say to us in our day of desperation where people feel like the end of the world is coming. How does that relate to the second coming of Jesus? Well, Advent is a season of hope. For many in our society faced with the potential end of the world, there's not much but despair, panic, hopelessness. But for Christians who are looking forward to Jesus coming, it's a period of anticipation and excitement. We long for Jesus to come again because we don't believe that Jesus is just going to come and wipe everything out and that's it. We believe he's coming to redeem the world, to restore and make all things new. That it won't just be the end, but really the beginning of something new, a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth. And so Advent for us this year in 2022 is a season of hope in the midst of a society that feels hopeless and desperate. So I want to look at Paul's letter to the Romans, our passage, our epistle reading for today, Romans 15. Paul talks here about Christian hope and how it can, I think it can speak directly into the world that we're living in and the times that we find ourselves in. I want to begin uh, in chapter 15 with verse 4, and then we'll back up to verse 1 in a little bit. But in verse 4, Paul says, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing we see related to hope, as Paul talks about it here, is that he links hope with endurance and encouragement. I think as we think about the second coming of Jesus, there's a temptation for us to fall into a type of escapism. We look out at the problems of the world and the things that upset us and cause us anxiety, and we throw up our hands and say, you know what, just come Lord Jesus. You need to just wipe it out and start all over again. But I feel like that kind of anxiety, uh, that kind of escapist view is not actually a hope that brings us endurance and encouragement to live in the times that we have. In a way, it's almost admitting that, you know what, things are hopeless and there's nothing more we can do. And so it's like a giving up. But for Paul, when he talks about hope and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, it's a hope that brings us endurance to face the life we have now, to face the challenges of our world, as we are encouraged by the scriptures. In Advent, we light the candles 
to remind us that Christ is a light coming into the darkness. And when we live by the light of Christ, we can endure through this present darkness. We believe in a hope, not just that's a future wishing that things will get better sometime later, but a hope for our present situation now. That in the faith and belief in Jesus Christ, who will make all things right, we can endure all that this world has to offer us. So I'd like to give an example that can help us to think about this concretely and the two different ways of looking at the coming again of Jesus and what I think the hope we have to offer is. A lot of people in our society um, are faced with a lot of debt, right? People in my generation, and not just mine, those older than me and younger than me too, but those in my generation were basically told that if you, if you want to make it in the world, you need to go to college. And if you go to college, you're going to have to take out a lot of student debt. And then we got to college, and there were all these options in front of us, but not all of them had a direct career, career path. And so a lot of people my age graduated with degrees that aren't actually helping them to pay down those college debt. I myself know a little bit about this. I graduated with a degree in philosophy. You know what jobs were available to me with a philosophy degree? <laughs> I worked at Whole Foods after graduation for a few years, selling coffee and beer and wine. Perhaps I'm describing some of you, or perhaps I'm describing some of your family, maybe your kids, or your grandkids, or your nieces and nephews, or cousins, but I'm certainly describing a lot of our neighbors that surround us, who are living with tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Meanwhile, they're a manager at Starbucks or working at Crocker Park, and they're struggling to make monthly payments and they live in the desperate and hopelessness and fear. How am I going to get through this? What do we as a church have to offer those neighbors? Is it simply escapism? You know what? Things are really hard, and it's probably hopeless. But you know what? Someday Jesus is going to come back. And so, you know, maybe that'll happen before retirement, and you don't have to worry about it. No, I think the hope we have is a greater hope than that. It's a hope that gives endurance to live through today, an encouragement, a hope that is a light in their darkness, that can relieve hopelessness and despair. I know I picked an issue, student debt, that's become a really political hot topic. And I'm not here to say whether the government getting involved would help or hurt that situation, and I don't want to get into that. But I think regardless of politics, we need, as a church need to be careful not to harden our hearts against those who are living in a hopeless situation. It's easy to point fingers and say, what are you doing getting a degree in sociology that cost $60,000 and now you're working in, over at the mall? But scripture, what does it say? It doesn't say to point our fingers and to blame them. Let's go back to verse 1 of Romans 15. Paul says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. 
For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. That's the hope that the church has to offer a desperate world who's struggling and fearful and anxious of the future. And it's not just student loan. Perhaps it's an illness. Perhaps it's an injury that prevents them from going to work. Perhaps they're struggling with addiction. Perhaps they have a broken family. So many challenges that our neighbors are facing. But we have a hope that says we believe in a God who doesn't just seek to please himself, but works to build up you, who loves you and cares for you, who is willing to take on your reproaches and bear with your weakness and your failing. That is our hope. And we who are Christians, who hold on to that hope and who have faith in Jesus, are called, have an obligation, Paul says, to bear with the failings of the weak to not just please ourselves, but to work for the good of our neighbors and to bear with one another. So Paul links our hope as Christians to us living together as a community who bears with one another, who endures the challenges we face together. That's the hope that we are called to this Advent season. Paul continues in verse 5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. He goes on in verse 8, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So what's Paul doing here? He seems like he's transitioning. He goes on to quote several Old Testament passages about the Gentiles coming in. And we get this shift. Well, if you were here this summer, you probably heard our summer and series, summer sermon series on Romans, and you would know that this theme of the Jews and Gentiles coming together in Christ is a major theme that Paul's been working all of Romans. So by the time we get to Romans 15, we're coming near the end, but Paul picks this theme back up to describe the type of community we have where we bear with one another and we are a sign of hope. So let's look just at verse 12 this morning at what he says with Isaiah. He says, again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles will hope. This is a quote of the Isaiah passage we read this morning, but it's not a direct quote. Paul changes it slightly. So some of you might recall from that sermon series, I described uh, Paul's reading of the Old Testament as reading backwards that Paul throughout Romans tends to look back at the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, and he rereads them in the light of Jesus' coming and reinterprets them afresh for the Christian community. And so we see Paul that, doing that here. Our Isaiah passage this morning was about the coming of the Messiah, a future king. Isaiah was a prophet during a time of exile. The line of kings from the line of David had been 
cut off. The royal family was all dead. The throne had collapsed. The, the city was in ruins. The temple was destroyed. A time of exile under Babylonian rule. But he saw that one day there would be a root from, from Jesse, that a new seed would sprout up and grow. Right? So think about it like a family tree. And when the exile happened, it was like that family tree was cut off. But Isaiah is saying that one day there's going to be a new growth that comes out of that stump. And that is going to be a king who brings peace and justice. And we heard how Isaiah predicted that his rule would be one of righteousness, where the wolf and the lamb would come together and lie down. We get all these poetic imageries of peace and flourishing and justice and righteousness. And when he ends, he says that that king, that root of Jesse, will be a signal to the peoples and that the nations will come to him and inquire of him. Paul rereads that passage in the light of Jesus' coming. Jesus was not a king. He never took the throne on earth. He did not restore the nation of, of Israel. They continued to suffer under Roman rule. Jesus instead was crucified. But Paul knows that Jesus was not, did not stay dead, but was raised from the dead. And through Jesus' resurrection, he brought together a new community. He restored the people of God, not just to their former glory, but to a new glory and created a new community, a new people of Jew and Gentile together. And so Paul looks at that passage from Isaiah, and he sees a hope for the present Christian community, that when we gather together in Jesus' name, a people from different nations and different backgrounds coming together to love one another and to worship God together, we will be a signal to the peoples, a sign of hope to the nations that God is faithful to his promises. Paul sees that in Christ and in this new community, God has fulfilled his promises of old and has started a new creation. In him the Gentiles will hope. And so Paul ends the letter by saying, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That is a prayer that our society desperately needs right now. And what we see in Paul is that when we gather together as the church from different families and different backgrounds that might not always get along outside of this place, but when we come together to be one family, to worship God together, we are a sign of hope to the world. In just a couple of weeks, we here at Christ Church are going to be moving into a new building. And I know for a lot of you, that's a long time coming. And you've had to endure and wait many years. And this new building is going to stand as a sign of hope to you. And an encouragement that God is faithful to his promises and that he is faithful to his people. And it will be a hope that will carry you through dark times. I want to encourage you this Advent as we move into our new space that it's an opportunity for us 
to recommit ourselves to be the kind of community that Paul talks about here. The kind of community that doesn't just seek our own good to please ourselves, but seeks to build up our neighbors. The kind of community that bears with one another's weaknesses and failures. The kind of community that's encouraged by the scriptures, who can endure these challenging times. The kind of community that is rooted in hope. Not just in a hope for life after death, but also for a hope in life before death. That things aren't hopeless and things aren't despair because we believe in a God who is working for our good and who we are confident will come to set all things right and redeem the world. May God form us into such a community this season. Let us pray. Lord, you came to us, you came into the world at a time of desperation where things seemed lost. But you came in the flesh to be among us, to share our burdens, to walk with us, and to give us a new hope. And you have sent your Spirit to live within us and to kindle in us that hope and that light that we could share with the world. Lord, I pray for Christ Church West Shore that as we go into this new season and move into a new building, that you would form us into a community that cares for the good of our neighbors, that bears with one another's burdens and weaknesses, and that abounds in your hope. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.